Hello, I'm Mike Baselli, your host for this podcast and the global community that has rallied around it. During this expert coronavirus update, I spent time with the teaching physician leader to better understand how integrated systems of care are helping to battle COVID-19 and the positive impacts that are already being demonstrated. Dr. Ira Nash is a board member for the Council of Accountable Physician Practices and the executive director at Northwell Health Physician Partners. Additionally, Dr. Nash is a professor of cardiology at the Donald and Barbara Zucker School of Medicine at Hofstra Northwell, where he also hosts the radio show, Well Said with Dr. Nash. While spending time with Dr. Nash, his passion and commitment to improving the health and care for the patients and communities he serves, especially during this pandemic, was quickly felt. There is much to learn from Dr. Nash through the initiatives he is helping lead, and I'm looking forward to you getting to know him as we continue to work together to overcome this crisis in front of our nation. Welcome to Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli, where we highlight and speak with the innovators, the game changers, and the pioneers who are deeply passionate and relentless in solving the problems our world is facing today. This is your opportunity to connect with and learn from these leaders and to support them on their mission. Perhaps they will soon be hearing your story as well. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you on this journey with us. Dr. Nash, welcome to our podcast and thank you for being with us today amidst the coronavirus pandemic. Well, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you. Well, as you know, COVID-19 is exposing severe gaps and vulnerabilities arising from the weak links within and across systems of care. These vulnerabilities are revealing our interdependencies and the need for long-term reform of healthcare delivery. And with that, I'm looking forward to learning from you and the Council of Accountable Physician Practices and how you are battling this pandemic and the positive impacts you are experiencing. Before we dive into this important conversation, Dr. Nash, a bit of housekeeping. While listening to any of our episodes, please make sure to join our free online community at passionatepioneers.com in order to share feedback and ideas and interact with the global ecosystem. If you're listening to this episode via our online community, thank you for being with us. And lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast so you will automatically receive episode updates in your podcast player. Simply search Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Okay, Dr. Nash, I'd first like to start out broadly and ask where you see things in our industry and where things currently stand for the healthcare industry with the coronavirus pandemic. Well, Mike, it really depends where you sit. So I'm in New York and in the New York City metropolitan area. And as you know, and I'm sure your listeners know, we were hit really hard a couple of months back with the most cases in the country the most deaths in the country, and the most strain on our healthcare system in the country. I'm happy to report that in our neighborhoods, COVID is dramatically less prevalent than it was in early to mid-April, and our hospitals and healthcare systems are nearly back to a pre-COVID footing in terms of the profile of patients in our hospitals and the patients we're seeing in our emergency departments and our ambulatory physician practices. That's not true across the country. And in fact, as we speak, cases are on the rise throughout much of the rest of the country, in particular states like Texas, Florida, parts of California, and the western part of the United States. So I'm actually quite concerned that those places are going to experience the kinds of challenges that we did a couple of months back. 
And do you see this, if we don't take care of it now, we hear this term exponential growth, Dr. Nash. What does that mean for all of us if we don't take care of it now? Is I think it's hard for a lot of folks to wrap their mind. What does exponential growth mean with the pandemic? Can you share a little bit of insight there? Yeah, well, that term exponential growth gets thrown around a lot for things that grow quickly. But this is one of the few times when it is literally mathematically true that growth of cases from an infectious disease do in fact grow exponentially, meaning that it's a multiplicative effect. So it's one person infects five other people, and then each of those five infects another five people, and then each of those infects another five people. And so it is an explosive pattern of growth unless steps are taken to interrupt that chain of transmission. Now, the good news is that it's possible to do that. We know how to interrupt the chain of transmission of this disease because it's basically a respiratory virus, meaning it's spread by droplets in the air that we all expel when we breathe, cough, sneeze, and go about our daily lives. So if we all wear masks, then we trap most of that, those droplets that we would otherwise be expelling into the air. If we keep our distance from one another, then whatever droplets make it past our mask are unlikely to survive long enough in the air to reach another person. And in the unlikely event that they land on a surface and we touch that surface, if we observe strict uh, hand hygiene and frequent cleaning of commonly touched surfaces, then we will minimize the spread of disease that way. So it's not rocket science to put into place effective measures that will interrupt the transmission of this disease. And it won't stop it in its track. It won't make it so that nobody gets COVID, but it will prevent that kind of exponential spread where one spreads to many and each of those many spreads to many more. And that's the key. Well, and and that's, of course, on the individual level, that's on what every citizen can be doing on the daily. I want to turn the focus a bit, though, Dr. Nash, over to the Council of Accountable Physician Practices, or CAP, and the incredible work happening there, your involvement. Before we dive into, because there's a lot of great resources that CAP has been putting online and all the work you guys are doing around COVID-19, but before we go into that, can you share a bit more of what CAP is, how long you've been around, what your mission is, what the goals are right and of course what the goals are now going into COVID-19 but let's start with a little bit of the history lesson then we'll dive into the work happening around the coronavirus. Yeah well so CAP is an organization that is made up of as the name implies physician groups that is organizations that are physician-led that are designed to provide integrated care for the patients who put their trust in us so these are generally large groups of physicians who are dedicated to the idea of integrated care, meaning the physicians all work together as part of one organization in a way that's technology-enabled, specifically the most common or shared electronic health record, and who are also committed to the idea of modifying the way uh, physicians and, and other providers are paid for the care that they provide so that we move the healthcare financing system to one that's based principally on volume, meaning the more stuff you do to and for patients, the more you get paid, to one based on value, meaning are we actually improving the health of a population of patients 
who are engaged with us in managing their own health. So those are the basic principles for behind CAP. Can't tell you off the top of my head exactly how many member organizations we have right now. It's probably in the low 20s. I personally represent Northwell Health Physician Partners, which is the employed physician group of Northwell Health, a large integrated delivery system in the metro New York area. But we have members throughout the country. Some are affiliated with hospital-based systems as we are. Some are independent medical groups, but all are dedicated to that notion of high-quality, integrated care, technology-enabled, and looking to the future for different models of payment for healthcare. Well, now that we're starting to enter into reopening the nation, which of course then means reopening the healthcare system writ large, what does that mean for CAP members? What are you doing as an organization to continue to meet the ever-changing dynamic that we're seeing not just in just society overall, but also more specifically in our healthcare industry? Can you share a bit more of what you are doing specifically around COVID-19? Yeah, well, let me just share a little bit about what we had to do when the pandemic struck. And again, you know, I think uh, New York has some lessons for the rest of the country in that uh, we were dealing with a more extreme uh, set of circumstances than than I hope any part of the country is called upon to deal with going forward. But we, as far as our, our hospitals went, were really dealing with two things kind of simultaneously. One was an enormous influx of patients with COVID-19, many of whom were desperately ill. So just to put some numbers on that, we went from an average daily census across all of the 20-some-odd hospitals in our system, which was typically around 3,300 patients a day, maybe 3,400 in a busy winter month, to over 3,600 patients just with COVID-19 in our hospitals, more than we would take care of for every other disease you can imagine. So imagine all of those patients who are in the hospital with heart disease, with cancer, with surgical illnesses, with bacterial pneumonia, with anything you could be in the hospital for. Well, we had more than the sum of our usual senses just taken up with COVID-19. And as I said, many of those patients were desperately ill. So out of that uh, 3,400, over 800 were sick enough to require uh, being intubated on a ventilator in an ICU. Now, we didn't have 800 ICU uh, beds when we started this. So we, we had to expand capacity for regular beds. We had to expand capacity for intensive care unit beds. And the physical capacity is one thing, but we had to staff all of those things. And that's where the impact on our medical group was most profound. So we uh, basically enlisted the um, the services of physicians across our group to uh, step up and step in to uh, roles in our system hospitals uh, to to deal with the, um, the 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 challenge of uh, of all of these patients who who needed help. So we did that in in sort of a graduated way, by which I mean uh, physicians who were already uh, skilled and and trained in intensive care unit medicine uh, took the lead in caring for the patients in the ICU. Uh, patient physicians who were uh, typically involved with caring for uh, hospital inpatients, so-called hospitalists, 
were uh, were sort of uh, deputized and made into ICU doctors. And then we had a whole bunch of other doctors who were principally involved in the care of ambulatory patients who were pressed into service to take care of hospital patients. Um, so uh, it, it was kind of a, uh, a shift up, if you will, in responsibility and in the acuity of patients that almost all of our doctors uh, needed to care for. Now, that obviously led to great disruptions in our, our physician uh, outpatient practices as well. So um, uh, I can speak to that uh, in, in some detail if, you, if you'd like as well. But, um, you know, basically we were uh, prohibited by the governor of the state of New York from doing um, uh, elective surgery. So uh, most of our surgeons uh, were not seeing patients in their offices and were not doing uh, operations in the hospital. Many of those physicians went to work uh, as COVID doctors. Uh, many of our other physicians um, found that uh, patients were very reluctant to come to the, uh, to the office. And so uh, they either uh, were redeployed to take care of hospital patients or uh, they started to uh, ramp up their use of uh, telehealth technology to see patients uh, via technology as, as opposed to seeing them face-to-face uh, -face in the office. So it was uh, a massively disruptive um, uh, kind of undertaking to our entire organization. But again, now that we're starting to open back up, doc, uh, Dr. Nash, what are you seeing? Are, are, are we seeing patients coming back? Or, or is, that, is there yeah, still that disruption? Yeah, where, where are we at now? Yeah, it's a really good question. So um, it, it is uh, coming back to what it was before, but as uh, somebody in my organization said, it, it's a lot easier to stop something than it is to start it back up again. So uh, we're seeing a gradual um, uh, increase in elective surgeries in our health system. So our surgeons are getting back to doing what surgeons uh, like to do and are best at doing. Uh, our ambulatory uh, practices are are uh, ramping back up. They're still not up to the volume that they were at on a daily basis before COVID struck. And yes, I think part of that is a, a reluctance of patients uh, to come back uh, based on uh, uh, fear, concern, uh, just uh, trepidation about uh, going out. Um, and, and going uh, into uh, a healthcare setting. Um, and we see that even in, in non-elective uh, circumstances. So um, uh, th this is true nationally that, for instance, emergency room visits are down dramatically across the country uh, because we believe uh, people are fearful about going to an emergency department even if they may have something that uh, under normal circumstances, they, they wouldn't have hesitated to go to an emergency department about. Um, so uh, we're making physical changes to our, our physician offices. We're making workflow changes to our physician offices to uh, make sure that uh, we don't have uh, a crowd in, in a waiting room. Uh, we don't have uh, as many... Uh, opportunities to uh, handle uh, paperwork or magazines or food or anything like that that we might once have had in our waiting rooms. We've put in uh, some physical barriers at registration desks so that 
Uh, we can create some physical separation between patients and the clerical staff who are registering our patients. Um, and we continue to leverage telehealth so that um, not every patient who we need to see uh, needs to come into the office to be seen. And then in regards to, and that's, you know, today and, and will last for several months and, and kind of answering the call that is needed right at this moment. But Dr. Nash, what do you think will happen to the healthcare delivery system longer term post-COVID and how does CAP fit into all of that? Where do you see CAP's leadership within the industry given these new dynamics more on that longer term horizon? Yeah, well, I think um, a, a, a couple of things uh, come to mind. So first is the, uh, the the deeper integration and more extensive use of uh, telehealth and and other kinds of technologies. So I said at the earlier that one of the cornerstones of CAP is um, enabling technology to provide better healthcare. We've traditionally thought about that as um, principally the, the the shared electronic health records, so that different physicians caring for the same patient can more readily share information and. And maybe that's been enhanced through the use of uh, uh, like a common call center and, and uh, continuous access to care and, and those sorts of things. I think we're taking a step beyond that uh, for the more uh, robust integration of, of telehealth so that we will be able to more fully uh, achieve the ideal of patients getting uh, the care they need when they need it uh, in a setting that is uh, of their choosing, meaning if they choose to come to see their physician face-to-face, -face, we can do that. If they'd rather stay home, uh, we can do that. Uh, if, they, uh, if, if we need to mix it up somehow or bring other providers uh, into a clinical encounter, we can do that. If we need to bring uh, another family member or, or patient advisor into the conversation, we can do that. Um, if we need to uh, facilitate having uh, immediate uh, interpretive services so that we can meet patients' needs in a language that they prefer or, or understand more readily, we can do that. Um, so I, I think um, I don't think there's going to be a retreat from that. I, I think uh, we're still learning, frankly, which sorts of circumstances are best suited to which kinds of encounters. Uh, but I think that uh, telehealth and the flexibility that it's um, brought to bear or, or has dem been demonstrated through this uh, crisis is really going to be something that uh, continues to be part of how we do business uh, going forward. Um, you know, I think the other thing that uh, this whole pandemic has laid bare is uh, the degree to which uh, this the the burden of COVID has been borne disproportionately uh, by by different. Um, uh, groups in in our society, and and specifically uh, people of lower socioeconomic means and and communities of color have had a much rougher time uh, with this uh, than uh, than the general population. That that was true in New York. I'm sure it's 
it's true in in other urban uh, settings as well. And to me, that's um, that's uh, not so much an indictment of the uh, healthcare delivery system, but it it certainly raises uh, deep concerns about healthcare financing and access to care. And one of the things that that CAP stands for is uh, this notion of uh, paying for healthcare in a different way and, and assuring uh, access to high quality care for all Americans. And I think we've seen in very dramatic terms the importance of fulfilling that uh, that 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 goal. That um, uh, it it's uh, it, it I, I hope it's shocking to all Americans that uh, we see the kinds of disparities that that we see right now. And I think it's incumbent upon all of us to take steps to try to reduce that. Well, and the work happening over uh, at CAP, the Council of Accountable Physician Practices, is inspiring. And is it, it, of course, as you mentioned, it's now needed more than ever. And so with that, Dr. Nash, we have a lot of physician and administrative executive leaders that listen to our podcast because of the incredible guests that we have on here, just like yourself. So with that, Dr. Nash, how can some of our community get involved with CAP? Uh, what are some of the calls? to actions there should they have an interest to learn more and get involved? Well, I think the first step I would recommend is that they take a close look at our website. I think there's a tremendous amount of of information there, uh, a lot of uh, material about the member organizations and and about the the kind of uh, principles we stand for and and a couple of, um, I think, really very well-reasoned and well-written uh, white papers on some important issues facing healthcare delivery in the United States, and uh, and our uh, kind of take on on uh, on those challenges and and uh, kind of a path forward. So I, I would say uh, th- that's the way to begin, um, and um, uh, I, I think um, if uh, if there's further interest uh, after that, to to give us a call. Well, there's certainly uh, some contact uh, points on the website over at accountablecaredoctors.org. We'll also list the website over on our free global online community at passionatepioneers.com. There will be an entire article posted for Dr. Nash's episode. All those contact points will be in there as well. So thank you for sharing that, Dr. Caps. And again, thank you for spending time with us today to be able to hear from a leader like yourself of what's happening on the front lines, where we currently stand, but more importantly, where we need to go and where we need to go together as an industry. So thank you on behalf of our community and a passionate pioneers for all the work happening at CAP and all the work that you have been pushing through this pandemic on the front lines and for the rest of our leaders in this nation. Thank you for being with us today, Dr. Nash. We do appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you for joining us today on Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast so we can continue to improve this community and to further support the pioneers being featured. Lastly, please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and invite your friends and colleagues to join us. This is Passionate Pioneers with Mike Baselli. I look forward to having you back with us during our next episode.